Well, how's it going, New Hope Community Church? I am so glad to be here with you guys this morning. Hey, look, um, I always like to start with a temperature check, so I'm going to do this. If you're joining us online this morning and you, you love Jesus, go ahead and type, oh yeah, in the chat. Again, I'm so glad to be here with you guys. I'm part of a ministry called Breathe. And for our ministry, Breathe, what we love to do is come into churches, jump in on the weekend services, give your team members a chance to take a break and breathe. So thank you guys so much again for having us. Uh, we love joining and being here with you guys um, today. Last week, Pastor Patrick talked about purpose. Today, we're going to do, we're going to just dovetail right off of him. And we're going to be talking a little bit about purpose, but we're going to be talking about pursuing your passion. And we're going to have some fun with that today as well. And we can be passionate about so much different things. I know me, I'm passionate about food. If you're passionate about food, shout, oh yeah, or go ahead and type, oh yeah, in the chat. Yeah, that's some awesome, awesome stuff. And I think about passion, it reminds me of this story of, of, of a hunter. And a hunter was so passionate about his bird. So one day, uh, my, my grandfather was like a manager of a dairy. And one day I'm with my grandfather at work. And on this dairy, they had a lot of birds. And a lot of these birds would come in and they would eat all the feed and they would contaminate it. So when they contaminate the feed, the manager said, you know what, let's go ahead and let people come in and kill these birds. So the hunters would come up and they'd do that, get rid of the birds. So one day I was with my grandfather in a corral and this hunter came in and we could hear this guy yell over and boosh, the shot went out and you looked up and you see this bird twirling down. Woo! And I'm like, wow, my grandfather's like, wow, he was like dinner. So he started walking out towards that bird and hear somebody yelling from a distance, hey, hey, that's my bird. We looked over and there was a hunter that was running at us. And he was like, that's my bird. So my grandfather was like, no, it's my bird. The hunter was like, no, my bullet, my bird. My grandfather said, no, my corral, my bird. The hunter said, my bullet, my gun, my bird. My grandfather was like, no, no. He said, my corral, my dairy, my bird. He said, you know what, let's do this then. My grandfather said, let's do this. How about I kick you three times, you kick me three times, and whoever is standing after that can keep the bird. The hunter, knowing a little bit of karate, was like, yeah, let's do it, old man. In fact, I'll let you kick me first. So here goes my grandfather, and he's like, okay, here we go. So he backs up a little bit. He comes forward, boom, he gives the guy a kick. The guy jumps, oh, that was pretty good. Go ahead, one more time. So my grandfather gets back a little bit further, comes back up, boom, he gives the guy a kick, he flies back. Oh, that was good. He said, but you only have one more time, old man. So this time my grandfather backs all the way back. He comes up, boom, he kicks the guy, the hunter flies back, hits the ground, rolls back. And he's like, oh, oh, that was sore. Oh, that was tough, old man, but you know what? Now it's my turn. And my grandfather was like, ah, you know what? You can keep the bird. <laughs> that hunter was super passionate about his bird. Not too much brains, but very passionate. And for us, we can be passionate about a lot of different things that we do, right? We can be passionate with finances. I know me, I'm, I was always passionate about big lifted trucks. Maybe it's because I'm only five feet tall. Who knows? But I love that kind of stuff. Passionate about finances, education, passionate about a wife that never answers back. But you know what? We can't win them all, right? But we can be passionate about all kinds of different things. However, today we're not going to be talking about just any kind of passion. Today we're going to be talking about a specific passion, about pursuing our God-inspired passion. Who has God intended you to be? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we jump into the message, what I wanted to do is get you a little bit, an opportunity to learn about me just a little bit. So 
If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm from the from here from Wow, from the west side of Wow, deep west, Wainite to be exact. And I know you guys are probably cringing already. You're like, who is this guy? No wonder the pigeon is so thick, right? But I'm from Wainai. Um, I like to say I graduated Wainai High School. Um, I played Wainai football when we used to win. Now, if anybody asks me where I played, I tell them St. Louis. You know, but um, I've been in ministry for a little bit, mostly because my wife says that I have to. Just kidding. But, I mean, my wife is pretty tough. Let me, let me tell you about her just a little bit. My wife grew up in um, Nanakuli Homestead, and she graduated Kamehameha Schools. So that makes her like a, um, an educated titter. Let me put it to you this way. She's smart enough to get what she wants, and if she doesn't get it, she's able to use force. <laughs> but that's awesome stuff. Um, you know, I've, I've been married for about 25 years. Yep, she's a very lucky lady. Uh, 25 years, we have four children, uh, three, three, boys and a, three boys and a girl. And um, my wife has two grandchildren. And I say that my wife has two grandchildren because I'm too, too young to be called papa. So they call her grandma and they call me pastor. I have a congregation of two. <laughs> awesome stuff. But, you know, when you go think about my, uh, my church years and what I'm doing, I, I've been saved, at, um, I accepted Christ at about 20 years old. And, um, but my maturity in my Christianity didn't happen, or my maturity in church didn't happen until I was about 30. Um, I joined, I was a part of a church called New Hope Leeward. We were about 2,000 people on a weekend service at the time. And um, I grew in the church fairly quickly, and I did a lot of different things there. I started as a Levite's leader. Um, I did facilities there. Um, I also got licensed as a pastor there and helped plant a couple churches, did some ministries around the world. Um, I know, like, for me, I love traveling to Asia to do ministry, right? We love, like, Korea, Myanmar, Thailand, Bangkok, all those different places, probably because over there, I'm tall. But I love to be that, doing that kind of stuff, and I did a lot of ministry at New Hope Leeward. But although we did a lot of different things, I can't say that I was always operating in my area of passion, who God created me to be. So as I sat around, like, the leadership tables and everything that was happening there, I was like, wow, I don't know. I knew early on what I wanted to do. I knew that God had called me or gave me the passion to become a communicator, basically to be on a platform to teach or creatively communicate God's word. And as I was there at New Hope Leard, I was growing and getting better at the, doing a lot of different things in ministry. I sat around these leadership tables. You know, I was like, wow, it's so crazy. It's so intimidating because there's so much education here at this table. There were people with bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, double doctorates, and all I had was my PhD, my public high school diploma. And it was super overwhelming thinking that I'm not sure if I'm going to ever be able to get on stage here and teach. Well, you know, so as I continued, I used to tell some of the leaders as well, I used to be like, hey, um, yeah, I think I'm passionate about teaching. I want to be a communicator. And these leaders would be like, oh, yeah, right on. But they'd give me that kind of side smirk that was almost like, yeah, good for you, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. And for me, as, as, a, as a, somebody that was serving Christ, it was kind of tough to, to know. Like, I was about ready to go ahead and just throw in a towel thinking that I just wasn't good enough, or maybe I wasn't fit enough to do what I felt God had called me to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a pause on that story real quick, and we're going to jump into the message but for the message today, what I wanted to do, because I'm not smart enough to tell you guys how to pursue your God-inspired passion, we're going we're gonna to mirror a guy in the Bible, and his name is Nehemiah. Go ahead and type Nehemiah in the chat. Nehemiah is an awesome guy. We know him in the Bible as the man that restored his nation by first rebuilding his city 
he actually rebuilt a wall around the city in record time. A lot of you have heard Nehemiah probably in like leadership conferences. They use it as delegation. Um, they, they show Nehemiah and how he did things um, just very effectively and efficiently. And that's what we normally see Nehemiah as. Today, when we talk about Nehemiah, what we're going to be talking about is how did this person get to understand his God purpose and how he followed his God-inspired passion. But before we jump into the text, I want to just give you a little bit of context and, uh, and back up a little bit where we are in Nehemiah. See, the book of Nehemiah was written about 150 years or so after the Babylonian exile. And the Babylonian exile is when Babylon came down and they conquered Judah, right? They, they conquered, destroyed the city, burned the gates, broke down the walls, and they captured the people, took them captive for about 70 years. Now we're just right after that, right? We're 150 years after the Babylonian exile. And here we have Nehemiah. Nehemiah is actually um, a servant to the king at the time, Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah is actually that, the, a servant to him at that time. So when we get into the text here, what we're going to see is Nehemiah's brother goes and he visits the city. He visits the city where their ancestors are from, comes back, visits Nehemiah. And Nehemiah's like, hey, brother, how's that city? How's the city where our ancestors are from? What does it look like? And the brother was like, you know what? It's in really bad shape. He said, the walls are broken down. The gates are all burnt. The people that are there are barely hanging on. And we're going to see Nehemiah in chapter 1, how he immediately takes that to prayer to God. And what I wanted you guys to catch out of this passage, it's a pretty long passage, so I'm going to read it with you. I'm going to read it for you. But take a look at it, and we get to really see Nehemiah's heart as he communicates to God. And he's like, God, we find his purpose and his passion right here in this first text in Nehemiah 1, verses 4 through 11. He says, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and the loving kindness for those who love him, and keep his commandments. Let your ear not be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying for you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel which have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinance which you commanded for your servant Moses." Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you have been scattered where most remote parts of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them back to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants, your people whom you redeemed, by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive, to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Nehemiah already in this prayer, he's like, God, Lord, please remember the covenant that you made with us. Now I, you can see Nehemiah's heart, Nehemiah's passion. Nehemiah is already identifying his purpose. He wants to go in and he doesn't just want to rebuild this city. He wants to restore their nation, to the, not to his king, but to the king of kings. So if we're going to, we wanted to pursue our God-inspired passion. If you're taking notes, go ahead and fill in the first point. And the first point says this. It says, 
Pursuing your God-inspired passion requires a God-sized purpose. If we want to pursue who God has created us to be, we need to make sure that we have a God-sized purpose. Nehemiah knew that if he wanted to restore his nation, first thing he needed to do was he needed to go ahead and restore his city. So for us, what does it take to have a God-sized purpose? What does it mean? I'm going to give you three different components that it takes. And there's no notes for this, but you can go ahead and jot these down because it's pretty cool. So there's three components, three things you need to make sure that it's a God-inspired purpose. Not just any kind of purpose, but a God-sized purpose. And the first thing this, if it's a God-sized purpose, then the first thing we need to know that is it's not about us. It's not about you. It's about who. Who will we be affecting? You can tell that Nehemiah's purpose was a God-sized purpose because he wasn't focusing on himself. He didn't say, God, don't worry about the people, but I want you to save me. He was there to help his people. He was there talking to God and rallying for his people. We're going to make this done, and his people was going to be affected, not him. The second thing that um, we can know that we have a God-sized purpose, the second thing we can do, the second component is this is we know that God will be glorified. If we have a God-sized purpose, God will be glorified in that. So when you think about what Nehemiah is doing, he's not doing it so to say that, hey, I did everything, everybody, praise me, pat me on the back. He's saying, look, give God the glory. What's going, what we're going to do is we're going to take, Lord, we're going to take our nation, and they're going to look back to you from the place that you gave us. And they say, you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings, that God will be glorified. The last thing is this. If we want to know if we have a God-sized purpose, here's an important one. It will be in your wheelhouse. I'll say that again. That purpose will be in your wheelhouse. God wouldn't give you a purpose that he did not prepare you for. Like for me, I know that I always wanted to be a worship leader, but I can't do that. I don't have a musical bone in my body, so I can't be a worship leader. I would, I would come in, I would start worship, and two minutes later, everybody would leave. But let me give you a couple of examples. Let's take David, for example. David and Goliath, right? David and Goliath. David, that was his first time in battle killing a giant. But that wasn't the first time that David slung a stone. From his young years, David grew up protecting sheep, his sheep, from predators by using a sling and a stone. And now what happens? He grows up. He gets his God-sized purpose. And he finds himself protecting God's sheep with a sling and a stone. Let's take Daniel, for instance, right? Daniel, he's in the, God puts him in the lion's den. But before Daniel went into the lion's den, he was already, um, he's a vegetarian only eat, and fasting all the time. He was so skinny, even the lions didn't want to eat him. Nah, nah, just kidding. Strike that from the record. I was playing. But... That's what I'm talking about. It has to be God prepares you for what your purpose is. Nehemiah, guess this, this is awesome. Nehemiah was a cupbearer at the time, which means his day-to-day -day job was he would take these drinks, he would sip it to ensure that the king wouldn't die from it. So in short, Nehemiah would drink these drinks and he would make sure and ensure that these drinks were fit for a king. Now when he got his God-sized purpose, Nehemiah, Nehemiah's God-sized purpose was ensuring that his nation was fit for the king of kings. Wow, that's awesome. Whew. I'm so proud of myself for that. But, you know, God will give you that opportunity. He will make sure that he prepares you 
for your purpose. Now, the thing, if we want to continue to pursue our God-inspired passion, we need to make sure that there's purpose. But you can go ahead and fill in your second point. And your second point says this. If you want to go ahead and pursue our God-inspired passion, we need to pray for opportunities and plan as if you expect God to answer. We need to pray for opportunities, not just pray for them, but we need to make sure that we're, we're planning and preparing for God to answer what we're praying for. Let me, let me see if I can put it this way. This, this one time I was in, I was heading to a meeting, going from meetings to meetings, and I knew that I was passing a Starbucks and I was so tired. I was like, I want to get some Starbucks, but I'm, I'm kind of running late. And I'm like, God, look, God, if there is an open stall in the front of this Starbucks when I drive by, that means you believe that I really need these Starbucks. So if that's the case, I'm going to pull in and get a Starbucks. What do you know? I'm driving by this Starbucks and a stall is open right in front. Woo! Pull right in, go get a Starbucks. Only after the fifth time around the block. Pray for those opportunities and plan how to execute them. But that's all funny, but some of you know the story about the farmers praying for rain. There's two farmers praying for rain. And the first farmer, you know, the farmers are living in drought and they need to yield crops. The first farmer is praying and praying, God, please let there be rain so that we can yield some crop. The second farmer prays to God, but at the same time, he's preparing his fields. He's planting his crops. When the rain came, which farmer do you think yielded the crop? The one that planned and the one that prepared. So the same for us. We need to understand that if we want to pray for something, we have to prepare ourselves, prepare the crops, and be ready for what God is about to do. Right now, we're going to take a look at um, a text from Nehemiah in um, chapter 2. And this text is kind of chopped up. I, I broke it up a lot, and we're going to go through a lot of different things. But what I wanted to do was to give you an idea of what Nehemiah was going through at the time. And I wanted to show you how he planned, prepared, and executed exactly what he wanted to have done. Let's go ahead and take a look. So Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 says, Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. What Nehemiah, I just wanted to point out, so I, I wanted to just read this scripture real quick to point out that since Nehemiah's very first prayer till now, it's been about four months. So I just wanted to show you that Nehemiah wasn't just sitting on his hands for four months. He prayed that prayer, this is happening right now for four months, but he planned and he prepared. Check this out. Verse two, um, chapter two, verses two to three says this. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried in, is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? So Nehemiah tells the king, look, this is the reason I'm sad. And he's about to lay this thing, this whole thing out for the king. But he's like, Man, the city where I'm from, where my ancestors are from, it's all beaten up and broken down, and, I, and, and I'm sad about that. But let's take a look at the next one and see what he says. He says this. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. 
while Nehemiah was ready. As soon as the king asked him, what can he do? Nehemiah said, this is what, I can, what you can do. You can send me here. I want to go here. I want to rebuild this city. Help me out by doing this for me. But Nehemiah is not even done yet. Watch. God is going to blow these doors wide open. Check this out. In the next verse, it says this. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. Wow. So now Nehemiah is like, hey, look, um, yeah, I want to go back to the city where my ancestors are from. I want to go rebuild that so I can feel better and be happy. But he's thinking, so I can acquire my God-inspired passion. But he said, oh, but instead of just letting me do that, can you also give me some letters so that when the governors come and try to attack me or the opposition attacks me, I can show them, hey, look, this is from the king. And he's saying, I'm good to go. So thank you very much. But he's not done yet. Watch this. The next verse says this. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaf, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need, need to make beams for the gates of the temple for it, fortress, for the city walls and for the house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Oh, now Nehemiah, all of a sudden, he's asking for, for free material. You know, he, he had it all planned out. Not only did he want to go back to the city, he knew he needed letters to travel. And now he needed this. He needed material to go in and build it. Man, I'm thinking that the guys building the rail should have read Nehemiah. We would be done with the rail and we'll be under budget. <laughs> but, you know, we got to make, so that's what, look, Nehemiah was ready. He didn't go into this thing unprepared. As soon as the king asked him, what can I do? Nehemiah already told him, look, um, I, need, I need your help. I need you to allow me to go and go back to my city to pursue my God-inspired passion. But on top of that, I'm going to need some travel notices so I can be safe. And the last thing, king, can I get some material to do this? Because I know that you can do it. Can I have this? And he was all planned out. So he was ready to live out his God-inspired passion. So if we want to live out our God-inspired passion, you can go ahead and fill in point number three. Overcoming obstacles and oppositions will take persistence. Overcoming obstacles and oppositions will take persistence. I can guarantee you one thing. If you want to live your God-inspired passion, there is going to be challenges. People are going to challenge you. It's going to look like it's never, ever going to happen. This is one of my favorite things about Nehemiah, the story about him being on the wall and people wanting to knock him down. But let's take a look at what the scripture says in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. It says this, Now when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem in the Ar and Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it, although at the time I had not set up the doors and the gates, then Sanballat and Geshem sent me a message to me saying, Come, let us meet together in Cherubim, in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Then they sent messages for me four times in this manner. And I answered them in the same way. See, Nehemiah knew that people were coming. Nehemiah knew that they wanted to hurt him. Nehemiah knew that what they wanted to do was stop his progress, stop his God-inspired passion from happening. And Nehemiah's answer was, I'm sorry, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. He stuck to it and he, he continued to be persistent. And that's 
how he was so successful in that. I know for me, we talked about like when I wanted to live my God-inspired passion, which I felt was communication. And it was so tough trying to do it. You know, I, I was actually about at that point where I really wanted to just give up. And I thought that, you know what, maybe I, that's just me that wanted to be a communicator. It's not a God thing. And uh, maybe I wasn't equipped enough to be that. And I was about ready to throw in a towel. Well, I'll share this story with you. At the time, our senior pastor was this guy named Mike Lewin. He was also a good friend of mine and my workout buddy. So one day we were working out, and he was like, hey, how's this, um, how's this communicator thing going? Did you still want to be able to teach? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I would. I'd love to. But, you know, it's, it's tough. I don't, I don't think I have what it takes. And he said something to me that, that I'll never forget. So in the gym, we're working out. He looks at me, dead in my eyes, and he says, you know what? Let me tell you this. There are people that are very equipped to do this job. But there's, only you can reach people that God has created you to reach. Wow, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, you know, that's so true. I'm able for my past and my struggles and the things that I went through, my successes, to reach a specific group of people. And then he told me, you know what, how about this? I'll, I'll help you out. He said, uh, Pastor Wayne Cordero has a class at Pac Rim at the time, which is New York Christian College. He says he has a class, Creative Biblical Communications. He told me, if you go take that class, you come back to me with that certificate, and I will help you out. We'll figure out how to get you on platform. I was like, shoot, that's awesome. So this was like a Wednesday. Thursday, I'm at Pac Rim. Checking, out, checking in with the counselors, trying to get into this class. So I'm like, hey, I want to jump, jump in in the creative biblical communication class. How early can I start? What's going on? And the counselor's like, you know what? I'm so sorry, but we don't offer that class anymore. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, we don't offer that class anymore. But I believe that we do that class on a DVD version. So go check with the library. It's an accredited class. Go check it out. So I went straight to the library at Pacrim. Went in and there it was, sitting on the shelf, Creative Biblical Communications. It was a $400 DVD set that I had to take that came with everything. It was an accredited college course with certificates and everything. So I was like, I'll take it. Took the course, $400, took it home, and I jumped in right away. Well, here we are, Tuesday morning staff meeting, and I think my friend was, was testing me. So we're sitting in staff meeting around the table, and he's like, hey, so, uh, Milt, I just wanted to ask you, um, were you able to go sign up for that um, creative biblical communication class? And I'm like, no. He was like, what? Why? That is your next step. He said, well, they don't have the class live anymore. But here is my certificate. And um, I already finished it this weekend. He was like, what? He said, you finished a 12-week class? I said, a 12-week class. Over the weekend, I finished it. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning, I was at Pacrim to turn in all of my work and my tests. And um, there I was walking out of Pacific Rim on, um, on Monday afternoon with my certificate that I had completed everything in that course and I was certified. And the great news is that it only took about a week later, we launched our very first midweek services where we could allow young communicators or beginning communicators a chance to get up on platform and start to get some practice and working in. The cool thing is, you know, um, I had a goal. I felt my God-inspired passion was to be on stage at New Hope Leeward, speaking in front of 2,000 people. And as I grew in that church, the church grew. 
to almost 5,000 people. I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I was the reason it grew. I'm just saying that I was a part of that. And, you know, even though my, my, what I felt my God-inspired passion was to teach in front of that much people, God has so much, had so much more in store for me. As I continued to grow in the church and grow in ministries, we started a ministry called Impact 808. Uh, it's a strongman ministry. We get to break stuff, bend things for Jesus. And um, we get to travel around the world. And, you know, now I have the opportunity to speak in front of audiences of about 7,000. And, you know, God's plan for my life was so much bigger than I had for myself. But um, what I wanted to encourage each and every one of you guys to do was to understand what is your God-inspired passion? Go get that God-sized purpose for yourself. Make sure that you pray that God will open the doors that you need open, but plan and prepare so that you can get there. Put people in your life that can speak life into you and put you in the right, the right areas to make these things happen. And then remember, this is the most important one. It's going to get tough, but be persistent in everything that you do. Continue moving forward in who God has created you to be and live out your God-inspired passion. Will you bow your heads with me as I pray for you today? Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for everyone watching us here online. Father, um, Lord, we just pray that you will instill in them what it is you want them to accomplish for you as we walk this earth, Father God. Lord, we pray that you will open the doors that only you can open. We pray that you will bring the people that only you can bring, Lord. Father God, we just pray that you have your hand in everything that we do, that we may live a passionate life for you. Father, again, we just thank you so much. And lastly, we ask that you just give us the perseverance we need to continue to press on and be all that you have created us to be. Lord, we love you so much. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. We all shout amen, amen. Can we give God a hand? Woo! Right on, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. Love you guys. See you guys soon. Aloha.